Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel Clark for another episode of Wusha Workshop. It has been a long, long time, so we're coming off of a big break here, and we just wanted to do something that was a little bit different, and we don't know how long this episode is going to go because it really is our first time in a long while, and we don't know where the conversation will take us. So we're just going to do this all off the cuff. Uh, Joel and I are going to talk about a movie called The Moment of Romance. This is a 1990 film. Uh, it stars Andy Lau and Jacqueline Wu. It's a, it's a classic movie. We've talked about it on other programs of the podcast. And now I, I got a chance to show it to Joel, and I really wanted to get Joel's reaction to it. Uh, we're also going to probably talk a bit about a movie called The Assassin, which I also made Joel watch, but I never got a chance to record a podcast with him. So we're going to be able to get his thoughts on that. Too, um, but yeah. So Joel, what what was your reaction to a moment of romance? What did you think about it? <clears throat> okay, so it was really watchable, uh, and that's one of the things that I've noticed about the '90s movies you have me watch is that they're they're ones that kind of demand my attention, uh, which I wasn't prepared for because uh, the the way I had to view this, I had to synchronize one audio track with one video video track that I had mm. access to. So it's like, okay, I, I got to make this work. So it was a it was a very authentic way of of watching it. It was almost like watching an old bootleg back in the '90s. I don't know if you remember doing that, but that was one of the ways I got a lot of my uh, my anime and my my kung fu movies back then. Was a friend of a friend would hand me a, a unmarked VHS and be like, "You've got to watch this," and um, and usually it was kung fu cartoons. So we, we used to get bootlegs <laughs> from Boston a lot. Um, mm. I had a cousin that used to buy them like every weekend, and. Uh, and 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 you still can get bootlegs in Boston, but uh, and you actually you can get. I've talked about this. You can get them on Amazon sometimes when you don't want them. <laughs> um, yeah, by, by total accident. Yeah. I'm not entirely convinced my copies of my copy of Angel Egg is uh, is legitimate. Like, there's a lot of little signs that it was bootlegged, mm. and it's just one of those copyright skirting things. Uh, it's a really good bootleg for that. Like, the transfer is great. But uh, that, the point that, well, being is I, I do want to mention that is a really tricky thing. Sometimes a bootleg is so good you don't know if it's a bootleg or not. It looks like the yeah, legitimate I, thing. I yeah, they can they can be really tricky sometimes. Usually there's some dead giveaways like the screen looks really really blue for some reason, or yeah. or the or the focus is off, or so, something just doesn't look right, or it's you know super grainy, or the transfer is really really bad. But uh, but when when it's when it's hard. Legitimate. There's some legitimate copies that look like that too, so it's so yeah. hard to tell. Um, but if you attempt to behave ethically and are are duped, I think that's better than you know willingly making a bootleg yourself. So um, I mean, I'm gonna say that I'm I'm more or less legitimately watched all the movies I've watched. I mean, I okay. I, I go out of my way these days to not do bootlegs, partly because yeah. really because I, I I care about the quality and I don't want I don't want the quality of the bootleg to impact my perception of the movie do you know what i mean that yeah because this movie can you imagine things. watching this movie in like a like through a blue filter or something where it just doesn't look right do you know what i mean no, or or in this case where uh where some of the sound would randomly cut out so i had to yeah. sync the other audio track was because four or five scenes in this movie critical scenes you were telling me about this have no dialogue and the action isn't really like it just it's not entirely clear what's happening with just the action but when you have the soundtrack and you have the really important sound stings that are coming in you're like oh that's the mood they're trying yeah. to convey yeah. um this Hon is, oh, i was ahead. thinking before they said it was in hong kong this is a hong kong movie by the way yeah. so i was like this is a very western movie for it being shot in china i was like oh it's hong kong but okay. hong kong really perfected the whole 
using music to tell like to 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 advance the story in these quick bursts but also mm. to really add this emotional weight to the story that it might not have if you didn't use music like that it's this real perfect sort of blend of music and visuals that i think i think when it's done poorly it comes across as really cheap or sort of like a uh just like i don't know like a really easy way to get people to feel something but when it's done well it's it, it's, yeah. it's 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 moving in a way that it wouldn't be wouldn't be able to be without the music. Do you know what I mean? It elevates yeah, it. It does. It gives it a unique emotional character, and that movie, this movie, very much has that a unique emotional character. Like because, and I thought this was going to be one of those incongruous titles where it's like, oh, it's a moment of romance, so it's about a guy forging a sword. Like we we see movies like that all mm. the time, but no, this is about a moment of romance, and that there's this. We basically see this window into these these two star-crossed lovers' lives while they fall in love and while they are in love. And you know, you're right. The the scenes in which they have, like, really big emotional exchanges, it's really, it's not just carried by the music, it's enhanced by that music. And it, it makes it, it gives it an appeal that we're like, you know, even though they, they fall in love with some extraordinary and bizarre circumstances, you really follow it. Like, yeah. I, I followed them this whole movie. I was like, I totally bought their romance and the the tragic and uh and romantic character of the whole thing it's, it's really something no it is and i i think um also that that title a moment of romance there's a in the, so and we'll do a, we'll do a brief synopsis of the plot in a moment cuz people listening might not know the movie but there's a key scene during the climax when he's on the motorcycle with her getting married and it and it's playing that song and it says a moment of romance is not enough do you know what I mean? That's like the mm-hmm. the additional thought that kind of is part. I think part of the title as well, um, you know. But yeah, it, it, it's so how would you describe this movie? It's basically it's kind of a Romeo and Juliet type film. Yeah, right? is that, that that jumps right to your head is the whole Romeo and Juliet yeah. thing. It's not exactly Romeo and Juliet. Or Butterfly almost... Lovers would be an, the, the Chinese example. But go ahead. I don't know that one. That that one. Goes it's over it's my pretty head. similar to Romeo and Juliet. And there's a lot of I get. I, I am told because I don't. I, I've only seen the butterfly lovers in like movies and stuff, but I'm told that the there's a lot of thought as to whether this was independently created or whether there was some sort of interaction. Oh, yeah, Ooh, that's interesting. There's a film called The Butterfly Lovers actually that uh, might. I don't know. Maybe it, it might be on a streaming service. I'll, I'll try to find it and yeah, if it's streaming, it I want to see it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Romeo and Juliet is one. Um, what was the? What's the? They, there's a dimension of of a uh, class that comes into this because yeah. the the two characters are from vastly different classes and like it just informs everything about like their lives and their backstories in a, in a really well written and satisfying way I'd like to point out I really love the writing of this movie yeah. uh, the character work and the 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 way they make these worlds contrast uh, these like these uh, these different strata of the classes contrast it's it's really authentic and like authentic in a way um that that it's it's modern in its authenticity so the the appeal has a does a direct like familiar impact for me because like i grew up in crippling poverty so like uh whenever uh whenever someone appeals to like a, a class based thing i'm always like oh no i i get that i i get how the world is different and whoever wrote this got that too. They're like yeah. they really seem to understand that, that the character of your world changes enormously depending on the income of your parents uh, or lack thereof. In my case, 
No, it did. And it also, I thought it did a good job, though, of still making those characters, like, th- like okay, for an example, the parents, <clears throat> right? The girl's parents. They, they make her, uh, and actually, before we get into that, let me just, the synopsis is, yeah, they, come from the these synopsis di- these com- they come from these different worlds. He's a triad. She's basically just like a, you know, ki- kind of like a rich girl who's about to go to college type thing. And he he abducts her during a botched robbery and failed diamond heist yeah actually successful heist that he just screws up a little bit at the end and uh well there's a lot that goes on to that but just to gloss it over it's a botched (laughs) robbery and the other he's part of this this triad group and his he's belongs to one group under one big brother and there's another group under another big brother named trumpet and he's dealing with trumpet on this heist and trumpet and his men want to kill this girl because she's seen them and he wants to protect her and that leads to a romance between them and as they're and so the whole movie is sort of the number one the fight for their love because of the difficulties that they face over issues like her parents and the police coming after him and all these things that are threatening to divide them but then also the split within the triads that he belongs to between trumpet and i think it was brother seven was that the yeah brother seven was his big brother yeah so his big brother brother seven that ultimately leads to like a war between them and those two things really come to a head at the end of the movie and Mm -hmm. and what's great about the film and i hope i'm doing a good job giving a synopsis because it really is a wonderful story and there's a lot of other characters that I'm just not even talking about right here but you have this A and this B plot essentially that are interwoven through the whole film seamlessly and it's kind of got that really efficient style of storytelling where you don't ever feel with maybe one possible exception and I don't even know if I would say it is one you don't ever is it feel the, is it the hang gliding the hang gliding scene yes yep. you, nothing the feels the only time when you have like a moment where you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Everything else is, you're right. That's, well, that one scene sticks out just enough. And you know what? In any other movie, you wouldn't notice it. The reason you notice it in this one is because of how tight it is. This thing is clockwork. Yeah, it, it's a clock. There's two reasons. It's clockwork, and that scene gives you a little bit extra more to chew on than you were accustomed to through the movie. But then the music selection for that scene, while I think it's appropriate for what they're trying to convey, it doesn't have the drama of most of the other music in the movie. And so it just kind of, I don't know, it kind of I it works in a way because that's a really important sort of it's not really the midpoint, but it is an important center of the movie, right? Where like, that is where their their love is sort of firmly addressed and then mm-hmm. moments later in the movie is when everything kind of comes crashing down, right? So Yeah, that, I almost want to call that like the only time they really genuinely get to be have an untroubled kind of romance yeah. with each other. And I think that's maybe what makes it stick out so much is that the rest of the movie, there's always this sort of Damocles hanging over them. Because like they really they have great chemistry on screen and like you really buy their emotional commitment and the complexities of that commitment that they both have. And you know they're doomed. Like, it's, there's never a moment in the movie where you really doubt it until that scene where you're like, you know, this eloping thing is working out for them. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So, But that's the synopsis, and that's sort of the style of the film. And I think I think it's a really wonderful movie. It's, for me, it's up there with Bride with White Hair and the other movie that, that you saw, The Assassin. Um, yeah. And what, what, but I wanted to get back to the class thing because I deviated from that in order to address oh, yeah, the synopsis. Oh, yeah, that's, that's important, uh, so you were saying that there's this class thing, and I think that's true, but I also think even if you take a character like the mother who's sort of depicted as kind of 
I, I don't know. I, she, she's a tiger mom. Let's she, let's be real at, with at, her. At, 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 at the very least, she's a scold, right? At the very yeah. least, she's a scold, and at the worst, she's almost sort of an antagonist, right? If you, if it, you know, but you, I think what you're building to here is that you never feel that she's a villain. No, you know, no. you get her motivation because, like, I'm a dad. I I get what's going on. She wants her her kid to be in Canada, and not fall in love with a guy in the mafia. Yeah, yeah, no. She, you, you understand where she's coming from, and I think the scene where you really start to kind of realize she's not a villain is the scene in the police station where mm-hmm. she completely outsmarts the the detective who's trying to get his daughter, her daughter, to testify, which would be even more dangerous than letting her just go and be in love with this triad guy, right? Because if she testifies, right, she's doomed. She does. Not only does she make certain to spare the guy that her, her daughter loves, she also, like, whenever her daughter later on is running out of the car into the rain to go be with him again, she doesn't run after her or send the police or anything. She's yeah. just like, okay. But you really get this feeling that she's like, I get it. I really get it. But, but she also understands, like everyone else in the movie, that this is not going to work. Yeah. But you do understand by the end of it that her mom, at the very least, is a very smart. Do you know what I mean that's like that's sort of the key characteristic that kind of oh, yeah. stands out Not for yet. me? Um, and the, and the father and the father is depicted as very loving and sort of doting on the daughter. Um, a but bit yeah, of dope, yes, but <laughs> but I think he's supposed to be. I think he's supposed to be sort of the 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 less influential parent in the relationship. Um, so so let's go character by character then, or at least over the major ones. Um, and I want to start with Rambo. The, uh, the yeah, and I, and I hope Rambo. I don't pronounce his name in, uh, correctly, but the Umantat character is a, a very highly regarded comedic actor. Um, oh, he nails this role so much. Yeah, I think I think I think he adds a lot to the movie. I, I think that I think it would lose so much if he wasn't in it, and if that character wasn't in it. You you wind up loving that character. I think from the first scene he's in. Because you, you get this feeling of him being this, like, sycophantic whipped dog. But he's also, like, he has a sense of indignity about the way he has to live his life. And he's, mm-hmm. although he doesn't have the courage to stand up for himself, he always is, like, shouting at people as they're walking away. Like, yeah, come back here and say that, you big jerk. No, and, and his arc is so interesting because by the end he has the, he kind of has the best moment in the film at the end, right? Like, really? like you, you know, and so it, it, it really is sort of this, 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 for him, he just wants the dignity that you're talking about, and you know, I th- I think by the end of the movie, we're going to spoil things because we can't really talk about it without without spoiling. You have to. This movie yeah. is like tight. It's it really is well put together, and it it it's well put together in a way that it's like it perfectly foreshadows itself. You know what's going to happen on this movie, yeah. you know. And as soon as they set up the premise, you're like, oh, oh, they're doomed. Um, so there's not I wouldn't say there's really any surprise in it but kind of in the same way there's no surprise in like The Godfather after it really starts rolling yeah you kind of get what's going to happen in The Godfather but you don't well, care The Godfather you know, is basically is, is basically you know telling the story of the of the, the heavenly rebellion right so it's like mm-hmm. you, you already have that in your mind when you're watching it you know you, <laughs> you sort of know what's going on there and this one I, I guess it kind of does hit a lot of it, it hits those Romeo and Juliet notes where you you just know that 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 these that they're doomed, and and like you say, they they foreshadow it a lot. It's not, it's not, it's not something that even even so. The ending of this is a really sort of dramatic, sort of heroic bloodshed type ending, where where uh, spoilers, spoilers. The you know the Andy Lau character Wadi dies 
Uh, uh, the Rambo character, I, 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 I presume he dies. I don't know. It's, it's sort of left up. I don't up. think he does, man. You think he lives? Because um, remember when they, they established early in the movie, whenever Rambo, whenever uh, Brother Seven saves uh, saves the main character, that he got stabbed in the stomach. And the doctor comes out later on, and he's like, hey, if he got stabbed a little bit lower, it would have been older. It would have mm. been over. That's the same play. Remember, the same guy okay. stabbed both okay. of them. He That's stabbed a good too high. <laughs> so... So no, I, I think uh, I think he's okay. I and, think he got to live with the with his dignity. And but it's this wonderful scene where he he picks her up on the motorcycle, they get married, and then he drives off to die. It's like it's just this like really sort of again it kind oh. of it doesn't have kind of an assassin type feel to it. It's got a real Cheng Che vibe, I think. There, there's a heroic fatalism, is what I'll say. There's a heroic fatalism to this that is romanticized, but it's done in a good way, and so I like it. What would a bad way be? Oh, I think we both know the answer to that, Brendan. <laughs> Golden Swallow? Golden Swallow. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, for those who don't know, Joel and I are very divided on Golden Swallow. Uh, but, to be fair, I think we're going to agree on The Assassin, which is the good version of Golden Swallow. Yeah, yeah, no, that is a much... It's kind of... We're getting off topic, but that is sort of a similar movie, and he kind of was trying to do the same thing with Golden Swallow, I think. Yeah, um, he, he effed it up in Golden yeah. Swallow... I want to get into the other characters too, but before we do, I did want to ask you: What did you think of the opening sequence of this movie? Uh, refresh my memory. I, so, I watched so it's video. just two things: the the way that it opens up at night on the road in in the forest where they have the oh, motorcycles and the, the music. Yeah, but then yeah. that leads into the scene with the girls on the trucks. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And the and and the and all the triads sort of at this this I don't know what you would call it. It's like a it's like a truck rally where. They put their girlfriends on the roof, and the girls have to stay there. And if they fall off, they lose. It's as close to a monster truck rally as I've ever seen in China. Um, <laughs> it's got an almost like 1950s greaser gang yeah. vibe to it, you know? Yeah, definitely. I really dug it. Uh, it. It reminded me of the opening sequence in one of my favorite animes, which is uh, Kira, where they have a bunch of a, a bunch of bicycle gangs fighting each other. Um, because it really immediately and skillfully draws you into the world in a way that's visual. You know, yeah. you're not you're not being told something. There's no there's no one talking to you or anything. You're just you're living their life as they're living. You're you're seeing how they what their world looks like. It's great. Um, yeah. The I'll... second people start talking, it's uh, it's Brother Seven uh, talking to our main character about that diamond heist. So, like, again, this movie is tight. Yeah, it's very tight because they, 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 they managed to get that meeting in there that's happening as the scene is unfolding, which is sort of establishing the mood. And by the end of that scene, they really establish just how cheap life is in this triad world. Do you know what I mean? Just the, you know, the, the girl goes crashing through the the car. She I don't think she dies, but she's definitely you in know, a... She's, she's cut up, though. She's, and that is two things. Not only does it establish just how brutal and like life is cheap their world is, but also like it sets up the danger threshold later on whenever he yeah. puts his lady on top of one of those things. Yeah, yeah, because that scene wouldn't have had the power if they hadn't had this scene at the begin where you like know the consequences. And then, yep. yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, it's really efficient. And so, so the next character I want to talk about is Trumpet, the uh, the, the head. The, he's sort of the oppositional wing against Brother Seven. And when we talked about him on my other show, uh, the idea of, of and I, th- I think it was um, I think it was Jim who mentioned this that there's this there's this concept in 
in, in movies and it's got a German name called uh, a face that must be punched or a face that demands to be punched. And I feel like <laughs> Trumpet, that guy, the, the first time I saw this movie, I just, you just instantly hate him. You do. You, you know, and, and I think you he's do. just an example of how, how some, like how, how when, when you do casting that's purely visual like that in a movie that's so driven by music and that's so efficient like this, it can really work well. In, in, a, in a film um, and I, I, I feel like that guy like I've seen him in other movies but this is my this is definitely my favorite role that I've ever seen him in um, yeah he, he was perfectly cast and I'll tell you this if this had been an American movie it would have been Joe Pesci in that role to give you an idea of who this yeah, guy is yeah and, and Joe Pesci I don't think would have been the thing about Joe Pesci that would have been wrong is Joe Pesci's likable do you mean, yes, the, this is true. I, the, I'm thinking of the Goodfellas Joe Pesci, not the my brother Vinny yep. or my cousin Vinny Joe Pesci. So no, and he's definitely that kind of character. He's definitely that that sort of like he he's just inexplicably always ready to blow his top at somebody, always ready to have somebody killed. He he, he he's not he doesn't. It's 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 weird because it, you get the feeling that he kind of thinks a few steps ahead, but that he's also purely driven by the just his his instincts at times and yeah it's like he has this spontaneous like explosive temper that he that otherwise mars a relatively capable criminal mind yeah um and it it makes him unstable and upsetting to be around like you always feel uncomfortable when you're around him like if you don't say the right stuff or if you say the right stuff in the wrong way you're gonna get stabbed yeah Uh, i i love that kind of character and uh joe pesci nailed it in goodfellas and this guy nails it here and and they do a good job contrasting because the guy for brother seven he has one of those faces that's very avuncular the first time you see him you know i mean you're just like oh i trust this guy you know he just seems like a nice guy (laughs) You know, and 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 I think he's also physically bigger than Trumpet. He looked sort of like wider to me than Trumpet did. Yeah, um, he has a wideness to him, but it's not like it's not like girth so much that it seems like breadth. I know yeah. that's the same thing, but you know what I'm talking about, right? No, I do, and so it just it just was an. I just thought they did a really good job of setting up the factions in this like that. Um, they did. Yeah. And yeah, but but Trumpet, oh boy, the, he everybody I've ever shown this movie to, they just all react so strongly to Trumpet. Uh, usually without even me asking them any questions about it, they're just like, oh, that guy, that guy, I want. And by the end, and again, we're spoiling here, but when when they stab Trumpet, how did you feel? Like, weren't, oh, weren't you so happy? Yeah, I just because they don't just stab him once; they stab the hell out of yeah. him. And I was like, yeah, you deserve that, you bastard. But, I rarely have a reaction that visceral to a character in a movie, but man, I enjoyed watching that dude get stabbed. <laughs> this is the kind of him. it's the kind of movie where the whole film feels like they're just building you up to you just want to see this guy get his comeuppance and and when he does it 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 it, it really like, uh, adds to the pressure valve yeah. comes off well and it adds to all the other stuff that's going on too um so i guess, i guess we should probably talk about the main characters too the wadi character the jojo character the the two star-crossed lovers oh man wadi is so cool in this movie he's such a hero you know, like you really, you really wind up rooting for the guy real quick, which is weird because he's still a criminal, you know, and pretty unstable and uh, impulsive. So he has a lot of the character, a lot of the character elements that we we hate from Trumpet. But there's something about the way he pulls it off. Like there's something about his motivation being like I don't know, kind of more noble inherently or something. Well, there are more he, lines more... he won't cross, right? There are way more lines that he won't cross than Trumpet. Like yeah, and he. 
And I think the the attitude he took toward his hostage is probably like the great the, the first really important moment you get where you're dividing those characters and saying, well, look, this is what Trumpet would do. He's telling you that he wouldn't care that he just killed this chick, but Wadi has a more noble attitude. Uh, and there's there's a bunch of those where like he he treats his his hostage in a very gentlemanly way. Um, he's constantly doing stuff on her behalf, and it's still criminal stuff. Well, like also, he, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I don't want to. I was just thinking about the cake scene and the dress yeah. scene, where he's like, "I'm going to commit a crime to be sweet to you." Yeah, well, and and the thing is, if you look at the the little montage when they go on their first date, after so when they go on their first date, initially she's this sweet, innocent person who lives in this this world far away from the triads, and it's almost like he's trying to frighten her away initially, yeah. or at the very least, give her a clear sense of what this world is all about. <laughs> And so he puts her on one of those trucks, and that's the scene that Joel and I were talking about. But then she freaks out because she tells him that the reason she wanted to see him that night was it was her birthday, and he feels bad. And then there's a montage scene where he takes her on kind of like a date, but it's the mo- for, for a triad taking a woman on the date, it's the most innocent sort of, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's just like... Uh, sort of like a delightful, pleasant scene. It's not. It's. It's. it's yeah. You know, it's. There's something grimy about it. Like he. He led with the grime almost performatively to get her. Yeah. Like you said, to scare her away. And I think that the intent was to be like, look, you don't want to be part of my world. But as soon as she comes down off there and she's sobbing, like it's clear that she's upset because she doesn't want to leave. Yeah. And I like it. Really turns your heart. You know, you kind of get where Wadi's like, ah, oh, I fucked up. <laughs> Now, now, what did you think of her character? And what did you think of the love, like, why she fell in love with him and why he fell in love with her? I think that an easy, a low-hanging critical fruit would be to call it Stockholm Syndrome, but, like, I don't think that's that at all. I think that she really, like, through the extreme circumstance of being kidnapped by this guy, um, she, she and being exposed to this, like, whole other world, she does, and we, as an audience, also go through this, we see that there's a difference between someone who is doing this out of a sense of obligation and kind of a more noble purpose yeah. versus someone like Trumpet, who's just a, who's just a fink. Yeah. Um, and I think she goes, like, she's kind of us. Like, we're we're in her shoes while she's going yeah. through all this stuff. Because, like, when when Wadi first gets her, it's it's a violent act. Like, he grabs her out of a crowd and holds a gun to her head, you know? This is not this is not a, a, a good way to begin any kind of relationship. But he then drives her home after saving her life. And instead of testifying against him, she doesn't. Not just to save herself, but because she kind of wants to return that favor. And so there's a give and take with the uh, the moral uh, the the morality of these characters because in a, a perfectly just world she would have she would have said something in a perfectly just world Wadi would never have had to be expected to commit those crimes in a perfectly just world but the, the characters don't live in that world they live yeah. in the world they live in within the context of the world they live in they're trying to do their best and so none of them come off as particularly naive none of them come off as disingenuous um, th- there's a, ver- a great humanity that's exposed in them, and I think that makes it makes it easy for to follow them and to follow their romance. Well, yeah, because when you think about it, that next scene after that, he ends up having to rescue her because Trumpet's men come after her, and he takes her to mm-hmm. that motel, that really shady motel, to to hide out, and the and then Trumpet's men show up. She's exposed to like the most dire, like when you think of how she reacts. Do you know what I mean she does not? She doesn't react in this extremely negative way to everything that happens. Do you know what I mean? She's she's really quite stoic through the whole thing. Um, so I kind of get what you're saying about 
they don't you know these characters aren't presented as super naive or there there's you know you would expect her to be more reactionary in some of those moments um, yeah you you expect more panic but you don't really you don't get panic what what you get is like a kind of a quiet acceptance of the whole thing um and it it, it showcases that she is a lot more strength than you'd be than you would kind of assume that she would have uh, it, it makes her a, an intriguing character, and it it makes it so that their their relationship isn't so one sided, which I think is important in this one because you really do have a very capable criminal here versus someone who's been kind of in a, a white castle their whole life, and I think it's it would be really easy in a writing way to kind of demonize the the higher society and to make her a lot more weak and reliant, but that's not really ever the case with her. She's constantly struggling for for her half of this romance. You know, th- there's no dehumanizing of her just because she had a life of more privilege. So, like, yeah, I, it it was well written in a way that was really compelling and in a way that's actually kind of rare nowadays. I, I don't see characters written this well uh, nowadays as much. No, and it was it was a really interesting moral universe because even though you do have some examples like Trumpet, who's sort of an extreme, this guy's obviously cool. really evil. It's a world where, like, it's not clear, like, where law enforcement resides. Like, if you really think about what that inspector is doing, he's putting this girl's life on the line and not mm-hmm. even providing her with a police escort or anything when she leaves the police station so that he can solve this case. Do you know what I mean? And he's and, and every time we see the police officer, the inspector, interacting with characters, he's pretty mean. I mean, he actually, like, at one point, yeah. like, like, he you know, he, he just smacks Wadi in the head. You know the first time he we they they I think it's at their first interaction in the film. It might be their second, but you know he's just kind of a he's kind of a nasty guy, and 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 at one point he's kind of picking on Rambo. Do you know what I mean? And Rambo mm. does this thing where when the guy's leaving, he sort of starts shouting at him. Um, <laughs> oh, so, Rambo! Yeah, Rambo's kind of a comic relief character, which is what I think makes him so moving as the movie progresses, because uh, it, it's sort of a contrast. But um, what did you think? Well, I guess before we get into the... I want to talk about the aunties, but before that... Oh, the aunties. <laughs> I think it's important that... one. It's interesting that you say that we're JoJo, because I, I think that's true. And I think when I think about this movie, a lot of it is watching Wadi get hurt and us feeling bad for Wadi being hurt. Do you know what I mean? It sort yeah. of brings out the viewer's nurturing side. Do you know what I mean? And, and, the, and the moment where she seems to really start falling in love with him is right after he gets stabbed in that low stomach wound that you talked about uh, mm. while he's trying to rescue her and protect her from, from Trumpet. And then she, you know, she sort of chases him down the stairs and tries to put a uh, some kind of cloth or napkin on his wound. Um, that seems to be the turning point for her character. So I think it's, I think it's interesting. And I also think it's interesting that that, that reminds me of how a movie like The Assassin or Golden Swallow does something very similar, but never even attempts to bring out the nurturing side of the viewer. I mean, it's the opposite. It's sort of like there you know like you you wouldn't you wouldn't walk up to Jimmy Wang Yu with a band-aid and and try to and try to heal his wound. He would, you know, he wants to die like a man. And so I I think it's there's there's a little bit more of like a softness to this movie even though it kind of covers the same territory. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And and that's interesting too because it's a movie that's not afraid of its feminine side. I guess is what, what I, how I'd characterize it. You know, if you just put it in the parlance of the '90s, remember we used to have inner children and feminine sides. We don't have those anymore, apparently. Uh, but this movie isn't afraid of its feminine side. It's not afraid to show uh, the women and the struggle they have to go through. The aunties, like you were mentioning, is another element of that, or the the backstory with his mother. Uh, this this movie 
treats its female characters really seriously and as as complex emotional beings. It also treats its men as complex emotional beings. And and the less emotion that they have and the more hyper focus on results they are, the more kind of monstrous they become. Like Trumpet's an example of a character that you don't really give a shit how he feels. Like you just yeah. want to see him get stabbed. And so. uh and speaking of the aunties, the so the aunties are the women who raised Wadi. There's three women and they're really interesting for a number of reasons. Number one, they appear to be prostitutes. I think that's they're absolutely think, yeah. prostitutes. And uh, and 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 that's kind of like it exists on the periphery in this movie. Like you definitely are aware that that's the case, but it's not the focus. And they're they're very much more like his aunties or his you know sort of his surrogate mothers. And they're very caring towards him. And that's really the the main side of them that we see. We also see. Some of the the quirks that they all have, right? The, when when the aunties are on screen, they're always kind of on screen three at a time, and they sort of are characters that exist in the same way that like a trio musical exists, right? Like like one of the aunties is actually singing and babbling the whole time, and it's almost cartoonish, right? Like that you, you know one of them is just sort of constantly singing, and the other two are sort of yammering back and forth, and often at loggerheads with one another, and and it just creates an overall impression that's. That's, I know you. It might be more at ease in an anime or in a, um, or in a, or in a Disney cartoon. Do you know what I mean? It's some, it, it does because you're right. The the characters are not separable from the group dynamic that they have. Uh, you, you really do like because you could draw a straight line, a parallel between this and the sleeping the the fairies and Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Uh, you really got. I mean, you know that sings. So, <laughs> yeah, mm, that's interesting. But they they don't seem. They don't even seem slightly unrealistic for that cartoonishness, you know. They're, they're kind of a, they're kind of the same, but with a lot of the other characters in this movie, where they almost have a fairy tale quality, you know. No, and I think I think they're really important for getting, like you were saying, like you were talking about getting us into the head of JoJo, and also seeing Wadi through that lens. And I feel like the scene where he's being uh, helped by the doctor at their house is really important because something about having those three women there nurturing him back it just kind of puts you into that mindset of i don't know just empathizing with the character and sort of i don't, yeah, like feeling his pain if that makes sense do you know what i mean you are and you're also feeling like you see him more than as just a lone individual you see him as this this person in a network of relationships that's one thing that's really interesting about him in this movie is that he really is carried along a lot uh, by the kind of like the weave and weft and the, the flow of the relationships because like at the end of the movie the reason he's doomed isn't because he personally is involved in almost anything he's he's repaying this debt of honor because brother seven gets killed yeah. and he, he wants to uh he wants to do what all of us would do in that circumstance and stab Trump into death. Though, though there is the question of whether the romance itself leads to that, right? Because it exacerbates the conflict, number one, and leads to the whole situation where Trumpet wants to have uh, Wadi uh, as you know, sort of his terms. But also, there's that scene where they're in Macau and the inspector comes and says, your brother needs you. And it's obvious that he had, you know, Wadi for some time has not been involved in what's going on there. Do you know what I mean? So, and, and, and those may be crucial days where he was needed. Because all we know, there's this big gang conflict and we never actually see it, right? Yep. That's one of the cool things about this movie is that like a lot of the, the what would otherwise be huge scenes 
totally happen off camera because they're yeah. not what's important in this movie. We're focused on this romance, which is the really important thing. And the, the events are just the things that yank all the characters along and make things more difficult for them. And that, that kind of actually works, too, because it makes the... We do see when, when the gang conflict be, comes to a head and Brother Seven is attacked by a trumpet, we do see that. But mm. before that, when, when, when there's the, when the split... We don't actually see the split happen. We just see them at the hospital with the old boss dying. And we know that we things... never see the old boss. I no, don't think we do. No, I don't think we do. And 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 all and all we see is everybody kind of becoming this chaotic mess after he dies. And then the next the next time I think maybe the next time we see Wadi is when he's got like a broken arm and like just all these <laughs> visual cues that something really bad went down. Uh, it's cool. I, I like how they do that because it, number one, it would have made the movie so much less efficient if they had spent twenty minutes dealing with that, right? It would have yeah, added it would have really badly. Yeah, it would have the movie would have dragged, but also it kind of makes that this thing where you're always curious about it when you see the movie and you're like, well, gee, what really what happened that he ended up with What's a broken arm? And, yeah, you 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 get just enough of a window into the conflict to know it's real, but you have to use your imagination to really, you know, see all the other parts of it. So I like that. Um, yeah, it it is. Again, it's rare. Like, when do you see that in modern movies? You really don't see huge, important set piece. I mean, even, like, relationship and plot driving, things like that, happen totally off screen. And not they don't even tell you what happens. The characters well, don't even talk about it. Reservoir you know? Dogs had that. Uh, that would be... Reservoir, okay, Reservoir yeah. Dogs did, yeah. yes, granted. Uh, uh, and th- but again, that's okay. one of the more interesting things about that movie, too. It's one of the things where, you know, again, what I, I don't know why, but I always remember there being a heist scene in that film and then when I watch it I'm like oh yeah there is no heist scene in this movie yeah uh, I, I always confuse it with the uh, and the same thing with Pulp Fiction like there's no they never, you never see them steal whatever is in that briefcase yeah. in Pulp Fiction you, they just have it and that's the important thing in that movie is that they have it the conflicts after it's stolen or however it's acquired like, I don't even know if it's stolen I just know that they have it and <laughs> people get shot over it what well, is it uh, well those guys well those guys in the apartment stole it and they had to uh you know, they had to take uh, it back. That movie but, is so good, Brennan. But um, yeah, maybe one day we'll do a Tarantino episode. Actually, I'm, I'm probably going to be doing some soon. Um, I mean, we got to do Kill Bill at some point, right? Yeah, like that's you almost have to. You get a Wushi podcast. That's like required viewing. No, it is. It is. Um, so, so what was it? The uh, yeah. So those are the characters. Are there any other characters that we we want to talk about before we wrap this up? I think that's every character in the movie, isn't it? I mean, his grandpa is there for a minute. Yeah, those. Like, this the, we we covered all the important characters, I think. Um, yeah, I can't think of any other characters that are really present there. What uh, what were any of your other thoughts on the film? Like, just anything that, why you liked it or thoughts you had? I really, I mean, there's a lot to appreciate in this movie. Its efficiency was one of the things that drew me into it. Its genuineness. Uh, like it's got a really good appeal, so like you can wa- you can watch this movie and like the emotional resonance is really strong. So I liked that quite a bit. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to like I'm struggling to think of like one kind of diamond of a scene where I was like, oh, that's perfect. But uh, I, I would like to point out that the 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 climax of the movie where he takes her uh, from her house 
uh, like she escapes with him onto onto his uh, this awesome ninja, the like Kawasaki ninja it was, and like I saw that logo and I was like, mm, you have good taste in bikes. Whoever <laughs> made this movie, because uh, I've ridden one of those and those things rule. Um, but he gets on his ninja and they go to the uh, the 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 bridal store and he I think he hits the window or he throws something at it and I noticed a little a thing that I, I don't think I would have noticed if I hadn't been a fan of Beekman's World when I was a kid when they hit the glass it falls off in a single pane mm-hmm. and then shatters yeah yeah that was real glass <laughs> in in Hollywood they use sugar glass they just they melt down sugar and make panes out of that and it, it breaks immediately it's much less sharp and it's much less dangerous only real glass comes off in single panes like that before shattering. Okay, I didn't know that. So, uh, yeah, they didn't know that trick in Hong Kong, or they did not care. They're like, I, yeah, just have someone mop up the glass, whatever. I think I think that they they have bigger balls in Hong Kong. Is probably the, <laughs> no. I mean, I'm serious. I, like, like, no, I, like, I agree. Because because I've I heard because uh, Cynthia Rothrock was talking about working in Hong Kong, and 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 then coming back and trying to work in the States and just how different it was. And I think yeah, there's a lot really more actual contact with fists and things like that in these movies. And you just kind of have to, you know, roll with the punches and sometimes they use real glass for things, you know, like... like they did in that yeah. scene. And, like, so. these aren't... Like, I don't know how seasoned these actors are as, like, stunt people, but like, even just being near broken glass is extremely dangerous. So, and they had, like, they, they filmed the whole scene. I think it was one take, or it was like a two-camera cross-pane take, where he hits it with, a, with the with the concrete brick or whatever, and it falls over, and then, boosh! That could have exploded. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the, all the crew that were endangered by that, and I was like, damn, it's a really good scene, though. <laughs> and, it, and, and, and I don't know, I, I just think this movie has got one of the best finales. In oh my god! All of, it's amazing. Yeah, the, the, if if you want to get a sense of the movie, what I would recommend is you go to YouTube, you type in a moment of romance like soundtrack or opening song or whatever, and you'll probably see a number of videos, and one of them will pop up, and it'll be a video for the the theme music to the movie, and it'll be clips of him and her on the motorcycle. It'll give you just enough of a taste of the film, but it won't reveal everything. Um, but if you've come this far, you you know the plot. So I guess if you've come this yeah. far, you must go a little further. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think. Uh, but but I I I don't know. It's it's it, this is the kind of movie where when you hear the song from the movie, you're like, oh man, I got to see that movie again. It's that kind of a film. Um, and I and I don't know. I just I I I'm I'm shamelessly a fan of music and movies, and this is one where it's got it's got everything for me. Uh, the, the the music drives this movie so well. So. You know, uh, I I I think uh, uh, I I I would put it in probably my top five of this style of film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I don't know. It's not really specifically a wuxia film. I think that this is like you remember. I remember you talking about how there's like membranes to genres. I think what we have here is a romantic action film that is slowly becoming a wuxia film. Like, it's it's starting to push into well, that membrane. It's kind of a heroic bloodshed movie, but I tend to think of those as... If they're, if they're not wuxia films, then they're at least, like, Cheng Che-type films. Do you know what I mean? It's just set in different environments. But it's got, like... You, it definitely has a Zhang Hu, right? Like, it's got, mm-hmm. like, a... There's oh, yeah. definitely a martial world that this guy's interacting with. you a martial world... Uh, most of the major set piece moments are with violence or romance, which is a very wuxia thing. Uh, there's a doomed romance at the center of it. There's a, a conflict between 
uh, really wealthy, like well-established people that are doing political stuff, and the criminal underworld that's doing its own kind of political stuff. I mean, like, and he's and he's and he is chivalrous to a degree. You know what I mean? Like, it, like he's a chivalrous he, he's, hero. He's, he's a criminal, but he's you know he he definitely has a kind of a chivalrous code here that he's following, and he's trying to protect the weak from the strong. Oh, right. I loved so, it more than I loved yeah. the Silver Rock. So, yeah. yeah, Silver Rock just wants to like make a name for himself, right? So, everybody gonna die but me. Yeah, yeah. and it's the, same the with um, same with his character from uh, the Assassin. Uh, so, so yeah, I, so. So, we, so, should, we should talk about the assassin. Yeah, as so, I really liked the assassin. So that was a moment of romance. I definitely hope people will go out and check it out and watch it because it's a film that should be seen. And it's really kind of like I don't know if you go on Amazon and stuff. It looks like there aren't like there's some DVDs still available, but I don't know. I, I'm worried it's going to be one of these films that will be hard to obtain in a few years. Uh, yeah. If, if it, there's not enough interest. Uh, so, what did you think of the assassin? This is what was this a 1966 or a 67? Yeah, uh, much older movie. Yeah, Chang Che um, film. I don't have the information in front of me, so I'm going by memory. That, so take that's my okay. word for it. It was Chang Che though, because it was the same guy who did a, a Golden Swallow. And my my encapsulated review of it is: if Golden Swallow was good, it would be the assassin. <laughs> That's it. That's I. I mean, as much as I disagree with your view on Golden Swallow, I think that's a really interesting way to phrase it because it does. It does. It. I know exactly what you mean. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, because like, okay, so it is Golden Swallow in, a, in in substance. Like the main character is is Silver Rock. Really is, except like. I understand his struggle because it's not just it's not this like muddled mess of yeah. a characterization. He has like clear lines of like I'm doing this for honor and for my family and like so his motivation is more clear and so his heroism is more apparent. Yep. Also, when he's dying in this one, it isn't just like fueling his machismo and how great it is. Mm-hmm. It's for, it's for a reason. Like yeah. he mutilates his face even as he's dying specifically to keep his and this is after a brutal death scene uh, it's specifically to uh, to keep his family from being endangered yep. which is interesting because they immediately go and claim his body just so his legend won't die which I love that's such a Chinese move it's like you know what the, the honor of my family will never die oh I'm gonna get disemboweled but you just wait for 10,000 years from now and they're still singing my family's praises now do you think that's what happened because I thought that the ending wasn't Hundred percent clear on that. That it felt pretty clear to me. Okay, because I mean, like, I think that's why we're seeing this movie is like okay. that's him nodding to okay. But not only did this dude uh, do do this, but in addition to this, also like I feel like I've yeah, because we wouldn't know that, his name otherwise, right? It wouldn't right. be yeah. Not only do we know his name, we know the whole story. Yeah. You know, well, and it's based so, on a historical uh, account too, which is kind of cool. So that that is cool. Um, um, it's similar to Hero. For people who haven't seen The Assassin, it's very similar to Hero in that it's a slightly similar type plot. Do you know what I mean? It, Not, it's, it is almost Hero, yeah. too. You're right down but, to it. But I, but I think it's better than Hero. Do you know what I mean? I think it's a oh, better I movie than Hero. I liked it a lot more um, than Hero. And uh, and I like those movies. I just think that... Uh, like, I'm more of a House of Flying Daggers type person, I think, than a Hero type person. But um, Yeah, I... The thing about Hero, and I'll give you my thoughts on Hero instead of a full review, but my thoughts on Hero are like, it's a good movie that's ultimately really unsatisfying. Because, like, they don't go through with it. They don't They do not do it. 
they, they do all this work and it's like ah but you know when you think about it we probably shouldn't no you should do, it's also do the really right long thing. it's also really and it doesn't have the I feel like House of Flying Daggers has a much bigger emotional weight to it than than Hero um, yeah but but this movie I think it also has an interesting love story you know in, in Golden Swallow he's kind of a jerk to the woman he loves right and in this one he's he's not you know he's he's still a little bit distant I think we can say that but 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 he's a little more grounded in reality and and not as he's not so much up his own ass you know and that's that's the thing the the character Silverrock in Golden Swallow was so self-absorbed and like I think you saw that as him being unable to really characterize how he felt I just saw it as him being vain you know and I I don't know that there's one more there's more legitimacy to either of you but I certainly it's harder to follow the character because of the way he's characterized but you could connect with this one more right you could connect with him a little bit better it sounds like yeah there's more you can understand this character a lot more Um, and so his distance like it's something that's more familiar to us something that like I could go along with like oh I could feel I feel that yeah it's more tame and he also he has a family like we see parts of his life Silver Rock kind of exists on his own without attachments yeah, such a lone wolf yeah. it's, it's hard to get into him this this guy does a lot for his family you know like like almost all of his sacrifices all of his reluctance to, to accept a suicide mission is because he's like no, I gotta take care of my mom I gotta take care of my sister yeah. I gotta do the family stuff and I like that the guy that's trying to manipulate him into the suicide mission respects that enough to be like, okay, well, I manipulated you into becoming my blood brother and bribed you, but, you know, I'm going to back off. You're right. Yeah. You can't mess with your family. No, uh, that's... It, that's a redeeming moment for him. I uh, I, I think that a... Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I, I really like The Assassin. I've seen it so many times, and, <laughs> it, and it, I don't know, it... It it just feels like a complete movie to me too. It doesn't feel like some some of these films they might lack certain elements, like they might just focus exclusively on the violent element or uh, or some other aspect. This one you get you get a love story, you get a political intrigue story, you get you get the sort of the the action movie and and the drama. There's a lot to the film. It just, it just feels like a complete movie going experience by the end of it. Yeah, it's it's really rich, you know. Uh, really, both these movies to me felt like movies, and I yeah. I don't know how to describe it better than that because a lot of movies I've been watching lately, like I went to the see the um uh the uh the scary stories movie that, that was out in theaters a little while ago. I forget what it was called. I think it's just called like Scary Stories, something like that. And um, it didn't feel like a movie. It, it almost felt like uh, like an episode of the Twilight Zone or something. Like it just yeah. didn't. It didn't have enough. There wasn't enough there. But while I was in the theater, the theater I went to is one of those ones that's kind of retro chic. Uh, so they had a bunch of really old commercials for like like hokey like seventies and eighties movies. And uh, when I was watching those, like I was like that that seems like a movie to me. And I don't know. There, there's some there's some line that gets crossed when you're making a film where you can make a film that like you said feels complete like these yeah. two films, or you can make a film that sort of feels I don't know. Uh, insubstantial. A lot of modern movies feel insubstantial in that way. Where like it's not that I'm left wanting more so much as I'm left like empty. It's like eating a, a, a meal that's like all sugar. Well, what did like, you yeah, think? Yeah, that was tasty. But what did you think of the Scorsese thing that happened? Uh, I don't know if you heard about that. Where no, it's news to me. What's he, going on? Well, just because you mentioned '70s movies and you mentioned, <laughs> you know, uh, there was a. Um, 
I, I don't have the quote in front of me, so please forgive me if I get it wrong. But Martin Scorsese basically said that he didn't think that the uh, Marvel Universe movies were any good. And uh, I forget his exact reasoning, but it basically, you know, he, he 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 was saying that it just didn't it didn't look like cinema to him. Do you know what I mean? He just he just didn't he didn't he didn't feel that they were really focused on characters and you know all these things. Um, yeah. And people got really mad, especially people in the gaming committee. So that's why I thought it might be a, a relevant. I topic. agree with Scorsese. Um, I've I've seen every Marvel movie aside from Ant Man, but uh, I mean, come on, I, even I have limits. Uh, but I've seen every single Marvel movie aside from Ant-Man, and I guess there's an Ant-Man sequel that I don't care about. And I agree. I think out of the 20-ish movies that I've seen, maybe two of them feel like actual films. And the rest yeah. just kind of feel like like if you made a comic book into a two-hour like visual, that's that's what you get. Yeah. And that's fine. It, it's, it's a new thing, and, and I like comics, and I like the comic book characters. Although... I do like the comic book characters, and the characters we have in the Marvel movies are not them okay. at all. Uh, so that's that's another kind of different complaint I have with the Marvel movies, where it's like, I like these movies. I enjoy watching them with my kids, especially because they're kind of like training wheels for comic books. Yeah. But I'll tell you a thing that I did. I uh, I let my, my children watch uh, the original Avengers movie, where it's got Thanos at the end, and he's ooh, all spooky. And then I took my my paperbacks. I, have, I actually have the Infinity Gauntlet saga in the original comics, because I'm a huge nerd. And I started reading those to them, and they were immediately way more invested in the comic book. They're like, dude, this Thanos guy is awesome. He's talking to the devil, and he's got a god hand. And I'm like, right? Um... Yeah, they went, whenever when I turned the page and like the Hulk was on it, they're like, "Oh, it's the Hulk!" Mm-hmm. And they were so much more excited to see him there. So, I, if you love comic books, you know maybe buy comic books. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I I have trouble watching the Marvel Universe movies. I watched like when Iron Man first came out. I watched that, and there's a couple of others that I might have seen, but they. They they just don't resonate with me for whatever reason, and and I have to agree with him that I mean they're obviously movies, but I think what he said they're not what cinema is about. I think what he meant was if you watch like Mean Streets or you watch any of the movies that that Scorsese was responsible or any films that came out of that era, eighties movies, the movies that we watch today, there's something special about them. Do you know what I mean? They give you they, you know they're 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 framed a certain way, they explore characters in a certain way. You have a sense of a complete voyage by the end of them and whenever I would watch the Marvel movies I would feel overwhelmed by the visuals do you know what I mean like that was sort of my overriding experience and I feel felt like the visual side of it just completely overtook the character side do you know what I mean um, and, and, and I think for me it's not because of the effects because if I watch a special effects movie I, I can still connect with it it's the it's just the abundance of cgi for me is very it feels like there's something about cgi that is a different medium than movies and that's why it conflicts that's why it doesn't feel like a movie does that make sense like no it's a, i get you it's a i don't know how to explain it it just doesn't it, i'm just noticing that more and more with films um i will say there are some exceptions i thought Swordmaster was a great movie with the cgi visuals but I thought that the CV- CGI was in service of creating this world that was very much about characters. 
Do you know what I mean? Well, thankfully, the Disney films have gotten further away from just using pure CGI, and they're doing a lot of um, they're doing a lot of like sets and what have you. Okay. I, unfortunately, sometimes that works against them. Like, because in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, I I love those movies. Both of them are really good, and there's a lot of CGI in those. But it it's the sets they have are really big open affairs and so you feel like you're in a larger space uh, okay. like in the first one they go into the body of a dead god that's getting harvested like all of its godly juices are being harvested for different things which by the way is great that's a wonderful little Jack Kirby moment uh, and when they're in there there's a lot of shots that show it off as like this huge cavernous thing and it feels big it's a really good feeling but then you want something like Thor Ragnarok where technically they're trying to do the same thing but the sound stages are much more cramped Okay. And so, like, it's got, like, this claustrophobic feel for most of the movie that's a lot less satisfying. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I And again, it's, it's uh, nothing against... If people like Marvel movies, they like Marvel movies. I like Marvel movies. Yeah, it's, it's but just if that, you can't take criticism of things that you love, what kind of a loser are you? <laughs> that's, well, you said it. I didn't say it. <laughs> I said it loud and proud, fool. <laughs> but, but no, no, I agree. I think that... Um, I thought that the reaction to him Number one, I feel like Martin Scorsese, and I know we're way off topic, but this will be the last thing we talk about on the podcast, so this is just going to be sort of our, our final we're sort of topic old, list. Yeah. Old, old, we haven't had our coffee. So. But uh, my, my, I've had three cups. I don't know about you. But I, I feel like... <laughs> I was trying if, to give you an out, Brendan. Yeah, if, 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 if you should listen to anybody's thoughts on cinema, it should be Martin Scorsese. Do you know what I mean? Like, like somebody like that, when he speaks about it, even if I strongly disagree with him, I'm not going to mock him. Do you know what I mean? Because he's this this OG of the movie world, right? He's made he's and he's and he's and he's made films that have had a huge impact on the culture and on other movies. So uh, I don't know. I, I just I don't get this instantaneous this this guy that we all venerated ten years ago. We're now gonna we're gonna burn in a fire because know, he was we, mean we to our. To... Our generation and well, my generation and your generation have both had to kill a lot of our darlings. Uh, I don't because... think my generation. I think it's all your generation that does that stuff. My I, generation I, is. I, I I think you got to be careful when you point that finger. For you, Bill Cosby. Okay, tell me that's, you never burned any of well, your idols. That's a that. Well, first off, I don't even want to get into the Bill Cosby situation. No one that, does. But, you think anyone wanted to? Do, remember, but, I remember when he was like the comedian that my grandmother didn't know was black, and so she'd let me but, listen to. Okay, but, like that was my experience with Bill Cosby. That, and the, it was such a positive experience. Now that, it's all ruined. Bill, Co- the, so the thing with Bill Cosby is that's the scale of the. Do you know what I mean? It's the the scale of the crimes involved is. I think it sets it apart from what I'm talking about, which is Martin Scorsese expressed an opinion. <laughs> um, well, right. Yeah, Martin Scorsese yeah. is not a, a real bad person. He, no, he's no. just a guy that you disagree with, or that we, you and I agree with. But, like, the hot take culture disagrees with him. Yeah. And hot take culture is all about two circles and a snap, and now you're canceled. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a big difference from somebody committed a crime and now they're, you know, that's a different thing. Um, but, uh, but just the idea that somebody expressed an opinion and they need to be, you know, I don't know. I, I, just, I just was surprised to see the whole geek community kind of. You know, and burn I'm surprised at how homogenous the opinion of the geek community still seems to be, despite the fact we're supposed to be super diverse and inclusive nowadays. Like, 
and we my experience with the geek community especially with role players is that we've always been really like inclusive and open and like bring everyone and bring your friends it's actually been kind of a drawback to this community is that we don't do a lot of screening so a lot of awful jerks wind up at gaming well, tables well I think I think that the gaming I mean the gaming community has always kind of been on the defensive when it comes to the stuff it likes because I mean when you have things like the satanic panic but also stuff like the you just kind of always trying to have to justify your like and genre material. Do you know what I mean? And well, so, in, in a lot of cases, depending on like, because I grew up in the Midwest and the South, and if it wasn't football, it was either the devil or you were gay. And in my case, it was a little bit of both. So, like, I didn't so, understand yeah. a word that you just. You need to repeat that because I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I think I missed an expression there. Oh, okay. Uh, so I grew up in the Midwest and the South, <laughs> and if you weren't talking about football. What you were instead talking about was something that was either gay or the devil. Oh, uh, I get. My, okay, so if you weren't involved in football, people assumed those two things. Yeah. About you. Okay. There, there were okay. there were only a few things that men were allowed to like. You could you were allowed to like cars. You were allowed to like beer. You were allowed to like women. You were allowed to like football and anything else. People would just be baffled by why you were into it. And I like you. you know, my interest. I like I like film and books and poetry, and like all this all this stuff that people are like, "What's wrong with you, boy? Were you raised right?" Oh, okay, yeah. See, I don't know anything about that. I I, I I'm from the Northeast. I spent some time on the West Coast, but I would say the West Coast was a little bit more restrictive in terms of what it allowed. But the East Coast, especially the Northeast, you're pretty free to sort of you know be interested in what you want to be interested in um you know i gotta so move to boston just man. Ju- just don't the one thing i will say is in boston you definitely want to keep your opinions if they're negative about the red Sox or the patriots to yourself i you know that 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 is a line but people won't be mad at you for not being interested in that they just don't want to hear you complain about it do you know what i mean it's a different thing um i have to get this red Sox sock tattoo uh removed then <laughs> i i have barely. I, I think I watched like one Red Sox game. You know, I, I'm I'm not I'm not a I'm not a sports fan. Um, so, so anyways, I think we should probably wind it down there because we're we're definitely hitting the end. It's almost six. We're getting into the uh, ranty old man territory. So, so yeah. So this is our first time back. It's been a while. So obviously, you know, it was a little ring rust to get rid of, but I think we did pretty good considering. I thought we were barely going to be able to hit the 15 minute mark. So. Um, yeah, so again, uh, these things we just record and go. There's no real plan. There's no editing. It's just talk. So so anyways, uh, we'll be back on. I'm going to have some other things up this week, hopefully. And until then, we will talk to you later.